0: Eric, let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass. And so we're all connected in the greatest movie of all time. So welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time, the podcast in which we are going to watch every single movie ever made from the beginning of cinema to today and decide which is the greatest movie of all time. I am your co-host, Rick Barrasso.
1: I am the other co-host, Derek Smith.
0: And Derek, today we're going to discuss one of the, the great Disney animated classics of all time. Last week we we discussed Shawshank Redemption a uh, vastly different movie we're still split on what should win best picture for 1994 at that uh, that uh, Oscar ceremony but maybe this week we have a new contender because the same year that uh, Shawshank and Forrest Gump and uh, and Pulp Fiction were eligible for the best picture Oscar so was our movie today, *The Lion King*, released in 1994 on a budget of $45 million. It grossed $968.5 million, and there were some re-releases and stuff in there as well. But that's uh, that's quite the haul.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so this would be eligible for '94 because I thought it would be like the next year.
0: It it would be '94, being the year that the movies came out. Right, right, okay. But I, I'll say 94 because these movies all came out in 94. But yes, yeah. the Oscar ceremony itself was in 95. Okay. So, Derek, w- do you remember when you first saw The Lion King? Yes. You remember the, the moment. So what, what I, where, where I, did you first see it? Under what I was, circumstances?
1: I was at Showcase Revere Cinema. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a little kid. And I just remember sitting and watching it and being like, wow, this is cool. You know, as a, a children's mind was just like, "Wow, this is new. This is kind of cool. I like the I like the music. I, I sing along with the songs. I, I remembered the songs, and um, it just became a memorable movie for me. Um, it wasn't like my all-time favorite thing as a kid because I was more into like, um, you know, Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. That was my focus, you know, around that age. But um, it's definitely memorable, and I I, I definitely. My parents definitely purchased the VHS tape oh, yeah. for me, so I definitely had that in the house. But yeah, that's I, when I remember seeing it down there.
0: So let's – before we go forward, let me just uh, – full disclosure, I am in the bag for Disney movies. I am a huge Disney fan. Derek, if you could just describe the shirt that I'm wearing right now.
1: it's uh, it, it's, it's a very colorful Walt Disney World t-shirt.
0: Indeed, and I did not wear this on purpose for the podcast, knowing we're going to record a Lion King episode. I just wear this pretty consistently. I, I know I saw it in theaters. I must have. I don't remember the actual moment I saw it. I remember the Burger King kids meal toys that came out with it, and all the like the paraphernalia and action figures, everything. As I was watching it this time, I don't know if I realized going into this viewing just how how much every scene was just seared. Into my brain, Mm, like I just, I just knew it on a cellular level. Like (laughs) what, what the next frame was going to look like, what the next line of dialogue was going to be, what the next joke was going to be. It's just one of those movies that. Even more so than Jurassic Park or Shawshank is just written into my DNA. So let's let's get into it. Every week we like to do a uh half-ass summary of the movie, do a little breakdown of what happens, because if a movie is going to be the greatest movie of all time, it's gotta have a good story. Good things have to happen in it. Indeed. It's gotta be conflict, other terms that that relate to storytelling, all that stuff. So I watched this on Disney Plus. And I got to tell you, one thing that disappointed me, that the Disney Plus version has the new Disney intro, not the...
1: Uh, I did notice that, because yeah. I watched it on the same network you did, so yes.
0: Yep. And it, I was I was just hoping for that 90s white lines on a blue background with Walt Disney's signature. I was hoping for that, but we didn't get it. Yep. So the, the movie opens with just an absolutely iconic song and sequence where we see the sunrise over the savannah, and animals are coming to pay homage to a newly born prince prince is as the title would suggest a lion and Rafiki who is a you know what is he a baboon I don't think he's a baboon because in the movie
1: he does mention it he's like you're a baboon and I'm a lion or something like that
0: yeah he says you're a baboon and I'm not but he's actually I believe a mandrill okay mandrills
1: Not a a common name. Yeah,
0: he is a a mandrill. He's not a baboon.
1: Okay.
0: They were once classified as baboons in the genus Papayo, but they now have their own genus, Mandrillus. Gotcha. At the time, time, he may have been classified as a baboon. But he comes and blesses the birth of Simba, the, uh, the new prince, and the scourge of cats everywhere, house cats everywhere, raises him up in the air to show all the citizens of Savannah. I mean, do we get any more iconic and any more appropriate an opening for this? It's a
1: fantastic sequence. It really is. Even if you're not into animation and Disney and and quote unquote children type movies, it's just a great sequence all around. Just, you know, it makes you feel something. Yeah. So our, our first actual
0: scene with dialogue, we actually the first character we really meet is Scar, the villain. And he, we see him. We know he's the villain because he is torturing a mouse before threatening to eat him. So Scar is played by Jeremy Irons, who plays a great villain. Usually in in movies, a lot more disturbing. From this, and thinking of uh, thinking of Dead Ringers, you've seen that he plays gynecologist twins, right? And they're going crazy. Yeah, it's this is a, this is a little outside of his wheelhouse, but he he does really well. Zazu played by uh, Rowan Atkinson. He is the uh, Major Domo of the King, he's a bird. He comes to announce that Mufasa, the king played by James Earl Jones, is coming and Scar threatens to eat him. So Scar is just clearly either hungry or sadistic or both. Mufasa shows up and he really lays in the Scar. He missed the presentation of Simba, despite the fact that he is Simba's uncle. Scar is, has let us know at this point that he is unhappy that he is now another step down the line to become king. Zazu then for his part, Zazu's kind of a jerk, once Scar walks away, jokes with Mufasa about how they should just kill Scar. Yes. And uh, as you know, kinslaying is the worst crime. So Rafiki then, here, here's my question about Rafiki as we, as we
1: go forward. Is Rafiki magic? Yeah, he's, I feel like he's like, he's not like a witch doctor, but he's on that level of like He's in the forest. He's he's you know seeing stuff, and he, he's a pretty cool guy.
0: Right, because he makes this like drawing of Simba on a sacred tree. It looks like. Yeah. Later in the movie, we'll get to it. Uh, he like he's, in,
1: he's into prophecies and stuff. I he think. like
0: divines that Simba has is is alive somehow without knowing, and just I, I don't know, very very Gandalfish. Yeah, oh, yeah. I okay. feel like so Simba. We, we meet Simba, played by uh, 90s heartthrob Jonathan Taylor Thomas, as a child, and he uh, wakes up his parents because evidently there's some sort of day of adventure planned. Uh, Mufasa shows Simba everything the light touches is his kingdom and points out that there's an area where the light does not touch and that Simba must never go there. At this point, Mufasa introduces Simba to the Great Circle of Life, Which, you know, essentially, one day I'm going to die and it's going to be your time. You know, you're going to be eaten by antelopes after you die. (laughs) Um, And he teaches him the pounce and he's called away because there are hyenas uh, that are sort of terrorizing the Pride Lands. Yep. Uh, Simba, having his day interrupted, uh, goes to speak to his uncle Scar. Scar tricks Simba into going to the place where the light does not touch, which turns out to be an elephant graveyard, which sounds awesome uh to Simba uh Simba you
1: you tell a kid you're not supposed to do something they're gonna do it
0: absolutely come on Mufasa yeah I mean Scar I feel like is just upset because he even says it he is much smarter than everyone Mm -hmm. and he really I I think he's only undone by like a trick of nature like if he took over 10 years later or 10 years before and had didn't have a drought to deal with right Yeah, things might have turned out a little bit differently we now are introduced to Nala, who is uh, Simba's best friend, and they are betrothed, which Zazu reveals to them. They try to sneak off to the elephant graveyard without telling their parents where they're going, and they have to distract Zazu, and they have a musical number, I Just Can't Wait to be King. Derek, where does uh, Where does I Just Can't Wait to be King rank in your Lion King song power rankings?
1: I would say... Um... Ah oh, man, it's it, I, I I I have a tendency to like all of the songs in this movie for all different reasons, but um, this one's fun. This is a this is a fun one. I love the orchestration in this one too. When it becomes bigger towards the end with all the animals lining up and on each other and stuff like that, and I love right. I love um uh Zasu in this. I love Rowan Atkinson. He's so funny in this song. Um, his little quirks you know quirks between each each little line and stuff. I, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a good one. It's fun, but. Um, I will say Simba, he can't wait to be king for what? So he can do whatever he wants. Is that the only reason he's got some growing up to do?
0: Yes. Simba uh, believes that once he becomes king, he will have no responsibility. He'll be able to do whatever he wants. That's what he's, that's what he's looking forward to, despite the, uh, the lessons that both Mufasa and Zazu are trying to teach
1: him. And I will say Uh, this, sorry to cut you off. I will say this um, before watching this movie, I told my wife we're going to be watching it. She's going to watch it with me. And every time the movie came to my brain, out loud, not even realizing it, I would go, do 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 by accident. So, like, yeah. that song is catchy. I can't help it. It just comes to my yeah. brain every time. So, I give the song props for just sticking in my head.
0: Every song in this movie is incredibly catchy. I yes. uh, can't really go wrong with any of them. We're going to talk more about that when we get to the uh, to the Oscar uh, breakdown. So, the, uh, the kids escape Zazu, and they sort of accidentally roll into the elephant graveyard. They're, like, play-fighting. We find that Nala is consistently pinning Simba to the ground. Yep. When they get to the elephant graveyard, they Zazu catches up to them and they are sort of menaced by a trio of hyenas. Shenzi, Banzai, and ed Shenzi is whoopi goldberg Banzai is cheech marin and ed is jim cummings yes but i feel like they probably wanted tommy chong and they just didn't get him
1: hey you know i mean jim cummings man i mean he's not uh, a second-rate voice actor we'll tell you that uh, woody the pooh all those things he's done that kind of stuff
0: he always sounds to me great voice actor prolific if you don't know him you've you've heard his voice in a number of disney movies he always sounds a little bit like Tigger to me.
1: I could see that. Yeah. yeah. And, and before the movie started, uh, Gia was like, Oh yeah. And the three hyenas. And she mistakenly thought that Ed was played by flea. And I was like, that's not the case. Uh, from the chili peppers, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I was like, oh, you're thinking of the wild thornberries. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> but then she realized it was Jim Cummings, and got really excited because Winnie the Pooh is one of her favorite things. Yeah. Um, but Jim Cummings is the man. He, he's a, he's a good voice actor.
0: He's great. We'll be we'll be talking a lot more about Jim Cummings in today's episode and in future episodes certainly. Sure. They they are cornered by this uh yeah, you know, this trio of hyenas. They are going to be killed, but Mufasa does run in and uh, make the save and chase off the hyenas to, uh, to save the kids. At this point, Scar is actually revealed to have been working with the hyenas the whole time. He has sort of a menacing close-up, I guess. He's standing on a cliff over- overlooking everything. Let me um, ask you
1: this, Rick. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Mufasa was tracked down by Zazu really quick and told him of what was happening? Or do you think Mufasa had an intuition and was like, my son's not going to listen to me. I'm going to go save him in this graveyard.
0: The last time we saw Mufasa... He was called away to hunt down the hyenas,
1: okay, so he was like in the area. when the yes,
0: so when when zazu's giving the morning report and simba's he's teaching Simba how to pounce, there's like a gopher that that pops up and says zazu you
1: know oh that's right news I
0: mean, news from the pride lands
1: that's right, the gopher and
0: then yep, and then zazu says, hey, there's hyenas, so it's probably zazu does it in that scene get shot away like a rocket <laughs> uh, and he <laughs> I, I think he probably went to see Mufasa, but Mufasa was probably already in the area. Gotcha. So, at this point, Mufasa disciplines Simba. Basically, you know, you deliberately disobeyed me. He says it twice, which yep, is weird. he says it twice. <laughs> uh, and we get this, like, moment where Simba, like, literally and figuratively is trying to walk in his father's footprint. So he, like, steps in his father's footprint. And Mufasa explains to Simba, he sends Nala back home, has a talk with Simba, and... I'm gonna make the Game of Thrones reference here in this episode. Oh, all right. Because this movie comes out in '94, the Game of Thrones book comes out in '96. I think that this scene pretty heavily influences the scene in Game of Thrones because what Mufasa says, Simba means. Oh, I thought being king means I was. You know, I'd never be scared. And Mufasa explains that you know, he was scared that you know, Simba was in danger today. And it really gave me echoes of the the line in the Game of Thrones book where Ned is speaking to Bran, you know, and has that, you know, sort of iconic Game of Thrones line, the only time a man can be brave is when he's scared. Great line. It's a great line. And I really think George R. R. Martin took a little bit of influence yeah. from oh, from sure. this scene. Uh, and, and I mean, this is a great scene on its own. You have that, this is where I sort of realized, I was like, wow, this scene is like, etched into my brain Mm. just the shade of blue in the sky and the you know the shots of of Mufasa and Simba together you know and this is where Mufasa uh explains to Simba that the stars in the sky are the great kings of the past are watching down on him uh which will come up again later Mm -hmm. We, we go to the the scar And hyena scene the hyenas are sort of commiserating over what happened you're talking shit kind of like oh Mufasa is here right now I'd I'd take him out you know that sort of thing and Scar shows up and he explains to the hyenas that he is going to be staging a coup against Mufasa and Simba and he does this with a song a tremendous Disney villain song be prepared
1: yeah and um you know it's it you know I don't want to I mean, jump ahead, but, like, this song foreshadows some stuff, too, because some of the lyrics in the song, some of the things that, you know, Scar says doesn't really hold true, um, and he's the typical villain where he's, like, pr- makes the promises, and then the promises fall through, uh, foreshadowing, you know, the, the line, I know it sounds sorted, but you'll be rewarded later on, there's really no rewards. Um, and it's a, I think it's a really cool, villain. there's always one, you know, villain song in, in the Disney movie. And, uh, this is really cool. And I like all the sequences. It's very dark with the, all the hyenas and stuff. There's an army of hyenas that reminded me of Sauron talking to the orkai. Two, two things, <laughs> two
0: things. So it's, it does remind you of that because they're referencing the same thing mm-hmm. and we are going to watch every movie on this podcast eventually every movie ever made but one of the last ones we're ever gonna do let we're gonna put this to the back of the line is a movie called triumph of the will by a director named lenny reifenstahl which was a a nazi propaganda film and it was technically very well made uh similar to say like a, you know Birth of a Nation or something like that, where the the content is like awful, and but the like filmmaking is is very well done. So this uh, I I think is the only Disney movie with a Nazi reference in it. Mm-hmm. I I could be wrong. Let us know on social media if we're wrong.
1: Well, the March uh, is very similar. It's like
0: it is. Yeah, no, it's right. That is a scene with Hitler overlooking. Right it's a documentary it's it's you know hitler overlooking nazi soldiers and they are goose stepping in front of them the hyenas are kind of goose stepping here and uh yeah lord of the rings borrows from that same uh, same movie because it is such like a threatening image yeah. and it's you know it's just you, you know they're villains when they when you look at look at them that way the other thing part of this song i think at least part of it is sung by our guy Jim Cummings, because Jeremy Irons, at some point, blew his voice out while recording this. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you can oh. kind of hear it. Like I said, every Jim Cummings performance sounds a little bit like Tigger to me. So you can listen, There you can tell the difference between their voices if you listen closely.
1: Interesting. And I, and yeah. I know I did read a fact that uh, the sequel to this, Jim Cummings, ends up playing Scar um, in like flashback sequences.
0: I've not seen. The, I've seen The Lion King two once. I've never seen it,
1: but I read about it just now. It was. It was
0: a. It was a. For those of you who don't know, there's a, a direct-to-video sequel, uh, which deals with Simba's child, and it. There's. Here's, and we'll, I mean, eventually we'll get to every movie ever made, so yeah, we'll talk Mermaid. about this then. But there is. So the Lion King is essentially a remake of Hamlet. It's about yeah, or a, a take on Hamlet, and. You know, it's about the uncle murdering the father and the son taking revenge. Lion King Two is a take on Romeo and Juliet. All right, so
1: I'm waiting for the third one for, with that that takes place uh, with either Macbeth or Othello. So <laughs>
0: they did they did make Lion King One and a Half, which the main characters are Timon and Pumbaa, which is based on Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. There is a, like, kids cartoon series, which is also a sequel, which I have not seen. We won't be covering it on the, uh, on the show because it's not a movie. Uh, Scar uh, has, the hy- has the hyenas cause a stampede, which uh, puts Simba in physical danger. And then he goes to see Mufasa, uh, t- telling him that Simba's in danger. You know, during the confusion you know, of the stampeding wildebeest, Mufasa attempts to climb up a rock face, gets to the top. And Scar pushes him off to his death um, and then convinces Simba that Simba is to blame and then sends the hyenas out to kill him. So as a seven-year-old, six, seven-year-old, is this is this your – I mean, is this the first Disney cartoon you saw with death
1: in it? I, I may have seen Bambi before that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the full movie, but I remember seeing that scene in the like compilations or something. Um, but it was pretty, it was, a, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like it was more traumatic to me now than it was then. Cause maybe I didn't understand it then. I was like, oh, you know, sure. it is, you know, now I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my God. Like that was, that was crazy. Um, the one thing I got out of the scene was afterwards when, and Scar's talking to Simba and he's like, you know, he's gone, Da da da. you need to leave. Gia immediately goes, I'm surprised Scar's not trying to kill him right now. And then as soon as Simba runs away, he has the hyenas go kill him. And um, I, I said to her, I said, well, I don't think Scar is going to try to kill Simba himself in case he botches it because he's kind of, you know, he's not the strongest lion in the world. I mean, yeah, it's a little lion cub, but he's going to have his hyenas do it. He doesn't want to get his hands dirty. Yeah, that, that's another he, thing too. He's yeah. The only, like, real
0: action, physical action he takes – other than like trying to defend himself, I guess, at the end of the movie is, you know, to push Mufasa off the cliff, right? Like he's, he, he is not a villain where he's much of a physical threat. I don't, I don't think even at the end, I don't think Simba's, I don't think he's much in danger, you know, yeah. he's more of like, he's more of like a Commodus in Gladiator, where he's, He's a, he's a schemer. He's not going to go out and be like, oh, I'm going to kill right, Maximus right. myself unless I have the, uh, the advantage here. He'd yep. much rather have his minions do his work, which he mm-hmm. does send the hyenas to do. Unfortunately for Scar, that's, uh, that does not really work out because the hyenas chase him into a wasteland and pretty much decide, oh, no, he's fine. It's, he's, he's not going to make it. Uh, and then they, they go back and tell Scar that he's, uh, that he's dead. So and then Scar addresses the the pride, uh, including Nala and Sarabi, Simba's mother, telling them that uh, Mufasa and Simba had tragically died, and that with a heavy heart he is going to take the throne. But good news—we now have new allies in the hyenas. So in a way, he does keep his promise to the hyenas. He brings them into the fold. Again, it's just unfortunate for Scar that at this moment a drought begins. Right. The likes of which Pride Rock has never seen, apparently.
1: And, and as you just mentioned Sarabi, because that's the that's the first time I've heard her name. I don't know why I don't remember hearing her name in the movie. Maybe I did. But I just I'm, I'm on IMDb and I just realized that she's played by Madge Sinclair, and yep. her and James L. Jones are both the uh the father and mother of Eddie Murphy's character in Coming to America. Yeah. Uh, should so I didn't realize sh- that till now.
0: <laughs> so I mean I I guess the question there is, was Eddie Murphy Intended to play Simba instead of Matthew Broderick. Adult Simba. (laughs) With that, was he doing, Eddie Murphy wasn't really doing dramas in 94. It would have been all comedies up to that point, right? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So that would have been against, maybe he didn't want to do it because it was very much against
1: hype for him at the time. But that would have been. They were going to bring in uh, Arsenio Hall to do something too. (laughs) Like what? He could
0: could have played Timon and. yeah, that would. We been... could get somebody else from coming to America to play Pumbaa. Also Eddie Murphy.
1: Right. But Eddie Murphy
0: doing oh, Eddie Murphy doing the old Jewish guy voice.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: He could yeah, he could play Pumba. Um but yeah, I, I I do wonder if that was the intention and also does that mean Pride Rock is in the country of Zamunda? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: That's my favorite.
0: That's yeah, new new canon Pride Rock exists in, <laughs> in the Serengeti in Zamunda. So Simba uh, almost dies. He passes out and vultures are coming to, uh, to eat his corpse essentially, but the vultures are chased away by new friends to Mon and Pumbaa, a, uh, a meerkat and a Warthog, played by Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabella. And I know if my wife listens to this episode, she will appreciate that. I point out that Ernie Sabella, before this, was very well known for playing a role in Saved by the Bell in the the season where they work at the beach. He owns the beach club.
1: Wow, I was gonna. I thought you were yes. gonna say he had some success on Broadway, but I guess Saved no, by the.
0: I mean, I'm sure he did.
1: I, I guess Saved by the so, Bell uh, somehow is above <laughs> his Broadway career. For
0: certain people, that uh, <laughs> that is true. Simba is is awakened. They Timon and Pumbaa decide they're gonna try to get him uh, to be an ally, to have a lion protector, and they explain their philosophy. Uh, their problem-free philosophy, uh, (laughs) to Simba with the song Hakuna Matata, which, Derek, if you recall, is a wonderful phrase.
1: It is. Um, You know what's funny? The the thing I noticed the most about this, and I I was in the kitchen while the scene was playing, because I've seen it a million times, and I just was in there, and and Gia was watching, and I said, I poked my head back in, and I said, you know what? There are moments where sometimes I'm wondering, um, it's just, I guess I can rephrase this, Nathan Lane sounds a lot like Billy Crystal sometimes. Yeah. and i could almost hear billy crystal playing this role as well and i that's one thing that I, I, see it. Um, I could see it but Akuma i've matata, never heard
0: i don't know if i've ever heard billy crystal sing i mean i'm sure he did in one of the award shows he hosted
1: yeah he's got he's got that, that that comical voice where he could do some fun stuff but um akuna matata is a good song it's not my favorite song and i think it's because it's i don't know if it's been overplayed or something but i just uh, it's one of those songs where i like something bothers me and that's that you know, it, it's him turning, it, it's, it's Simba turning to an adult during the song, you know, yes. and he's just, he's singing and you just become an adult and stuff. And I don't know, it, it doesn't bother me, but it's, um, you know, something that I asked myself. I asked myself a question. I was like, is this, is this growing up? You're just singing one day. And then the next day you're an adult.
0: <laughs> How long do we think Simba is in hiding?
1: I mean, it's gotta be at least over a decade, at least. How long do Lions live? Well, you got to think that what Simba was what, like six, seven, something like that. And in that age, if you go to compare it to humans, and he's at least 16, 15 as an, as a teenager, because I don't see him as an adult at that point, but he's definitely a teenager.
0: Lions live between 10 and 14 years in the wild. So let's say this was four to five years, a big chunk of the, the life of Simba. So he is—he is an adult lion by the end of the song. It's a very long song, uh, <laughs> for him to age that uh, that much.
1: And may I add, what a lazy, lazy lion he's become. He's gonna go back and save and save his kingdom. What he—all he knows how to do is sing, lie on the grass, and eat bugs. He's gonna go save yeah. his kingdom. I'm just—he's
0: hes not learned how to like lead or or anything. Like he's—I mean, like the instincts of a lion. Be like, all right, well well we shouldn't hunt all the antelope otherwise there'll be no more antelope or, right yeah.
1: i would i would say honestly i think timon and, and pumba i think they're uh, they're not the antagonists by any mean but i mean they, they don't do a whole lot for him except for just give him some friendship when he needs it uh, so,
0: right so it's it's interesting and there there's this song is maybe the like most well remembered song from yeah. by by most people from, from this movie but it it really is the like the, the challenge that Simba needs to get over. Like it's so catchy and it's so happy, but it's it's really like, well, live with no responsibility. And then by the end of the movie, Simba has to realize like, well, actually, for, similar to Austin Powers, where it's like, we've got freedom and responsibility, right? Which is
1: groovy. And, and then um, Nala points it out too. She's like, you have responsibility. And he was like, yeah. well, the last five years, I was taught not to have it, so.
0: Yeah, it's similar. So there's one other Disney song that was also a giant, that is kind of the same thing and it's interesting that it's this is sort of the same story although it's get very different trappings and that's frozen and let it go like the the whole point of that song is you know elsa has and i'm sure we'll bring this up in our eventual frozen episode that you know the biggest hit song of the movie is the exact opposite of the message of the movie. So we uh, we go back once now Simba is uh, is grown up and uh, live in his, you know, sort of his college years, I guess, uh, with Simone and Pumbaa. Uh, we go back to, uh, to Pride Rock, and they're in the middle of a famine. And Zazu is being kept as a slave. I, I don't know what for. Like, why hasn't Scar just killed him? He's, like, threatened to do it already. Like, I'm uh, sure... It's... Exactly the first thing we see him do is like i'm gonna eat zazu and then you know cut he's got four or five years as king let's say and he's just like no you're gonna live in this rib cage
1: i I think i think scar lives to torture people mentally and he needs at least one person that he can be with all all the time to just be like hey remember the old days that that you know what i mean when you were happy now you're not so i'm gonna just keep zazu here to just keep talking crap to so, also keep in mind that Scar is one of the only villains I feel like in Disney history that doesn't have a sidekick. So
0: that's true. <laughs> maybe that that's what true. Scar is
1: trying to do—is he's like he's you know trying, trying to.
0: Get, I mean, the hyenas are kind of his sidekicks, sort of. But yeah, not not in the same way that like Iago, Iago is a sidekick, right, or like, or, fire, like yeah. or like Flotsam and Jetsam are sidekicks or something yeah. like that. Yeah, at, at this point, yeah, Scar is also like whenever everybody anyone mentions the name Mufasa. Scar like freaks out as if he's, you know, another Disney villain, Captain Hook, uh, hearing like a ticking clock. Right. And then we uh, we go back to Simba, Timon and Pumbaa. They are looking at the stars and Pumbaa somehow figures out exactly what stars actually are. (laughs) And he's laughed off. And then uh, Simba tells them of Mufasa's theory that the great things of the past. And again, they laugh at Simba because that's really dumb. Timon and Pumba are kind of assholes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Like, let's
0: uh, now that we're going over this. Yeah, they like they're not great. I mean, they come they come through in the end, but like they really, they're not they're not great. Yeah, <laughs> great to Simba. Not that they meant it in this case, but so. And then this is where we get to. Like, is is Rafiki a wizard? Because he just like. He has like scrying bones or something, or and, and he's just like, oh wait, no, he's alive, and it goes into the goes in the tree file and edits his uh, his JPEG of Simba right. and puts a puts a mane around him with some kind of dye from a fruit. Then we go back to the uh, the oasis where.
1: Uh, I, just to cut you off real quick. Yep. Keep in mind, there's a famine. They're not getting food. Nothing's happening. Rafiki's got all these like fruits, and he's wasting it on painting on trees. Um, right. A food could help some people, some animals. It,
0: it could. It could keep the uh, keep the whole thing going. That should be you a
1: line. Scar is like, I know there's a famine, but Rafiki's using all the uh, the juice for drawing. So, does
0: Scar even know of like of Rafiki's existence? Though, like, clearly he's like a friend of Mufasa. If he went to the uh, if he went to the presentation of Simba, would he have been like, ah? Yes, there's like we should go to the we should go to the baboon or the mandrill and see what he's up to. Like right. he seems to, he seems to be doing something. I, also, I'm just wondering like are the presentation ceremonies just for the firstborn or did uh did Scar also have one and like all the animals came and like bowed down to like little Scar as they're rolling <laughs> him up. So, one thing actually before we go any further. Scar is not his actual name. Like, he's just a nickname because he has a scar on his his face. His real name is Taka. And Taka is... So all the names are uh, are Swahili, real Swahili words. Uh, Simba is the Swahili word for lion. Mufasa is the Swahili word for king. Taka is the Swahili word for garbage. Wow. So, yeah. So if you know this is probably why he has this complex is that they literally his parents literally named him garbage
1: <laughs> so now comes to the point where now we start feeling bad for scar
0: we i mean
1: Your parents i'm not named saying we you garbage feel, at birth
0: i'm not i'm not saying we feel bad for him cuz he's not a great lion person uh, and you know he he could have found uh, more uh, productive outlets uh, for his for his anger he did murder his brother uh, which is Let's, let's make an official podcast policy. Murdering your brother in an attempt to get power, we're against it.
1: You know, yes, 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 yes. Murder is bad. But I'd Murder. like to see how Mufasa treated Scar beforehand because, I, you know, does evil just exist in Disney? Does it, it, it probably does. We've seen evil just exist. People are just evil. But there are some instances where you kind of feel bad for the villain. Where you're like, okay, well, they treat treated like this. So. I'm,
0: I'm Scar is the hero of his own story. That's all I'm saying. All right, there you go. I can't condone his actions, but uh, yeah, he's, to to himself, he has a point.
1: At the very least, he has ambition.
0: He sure does. <laughs> he is a, yeah. Uh, we go back to the, to the Oasis where Timon uh, and Pumbaa are uh, singing a pop song from uh, the 20th century America, which is weird. Uh, But they know Lion Sleeps Tonight, Uh, and they are actually then hunted by a lioness. And I I felt like – I was watching this time, and I was like, wow. Like, it's – they play it for laughs, but Pumbaa is, like, in fear for his life. Like, he's going to be eaten alive. Right. And And he's, like, he's running away. Simba comes to their rescue, but this lioness pins him down. We realize it's Nala. So they're very happy to see each other, surprised to see each other. Nala explains what's happening at Pride Rock, reveals to Timon and Pumbaa that Simba is the rightful king. And Timon sort of is sent away, Timon and Pumbaa are sent away uh, by Simba so he can catch up with Nala. And they realize that, well, there's clearly a connection here.
1: The wrestling starts to change. Yes,
0: yes. Another Game of Thrones reference. And yeah. So then we go into, can you feel the love tonight? And Derek, here's a, here's a question that seems to be uh, regularly happening. And the question is, did they have sex?
1: I'm going to say yes. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, it just seems right. I hope they did. You hope you hope
0: that. Yeah. I hope
1: they did because if they didn't, I'd be like, "That's even more of me being like Simba. Come on, like, yeah, you've learned nothing in life. Nothing.
0: Like <laughs> he, he's not seen another lion in a third of his life at least.
1: Yeah, he needs to start. You know what I mean? He needs to start understanding yeah. life and get 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 at least this right, Simba. Get it done. Yep. Get
0: get in there, Simba. They uh, post coitally. They have an argument. Simba believes that he is responsible for his father's death. Right. And that will prevent him from going and, and taking his rightful place as king. Nala, not knowing that, of Scar's manipulation, believes that Simba should return and he would save the pride from, from Scar. Simba walks away and he just yells at the heavens in grief when Rafiki just starts to like bother him.
1: Instead of introducing
0: Yeah, instead of introducing himself and being like, Hey, I was a friend of your father, let's let's talk, he just like kind of mocks Simba for a while. Yes. And maybe Simba deserves it. He actually tells Simba that Mufasa is alive. And sort of Simba runs through the forest and comes to his own reflection. And ah, uh, he lives in you because you're his his son. And Simba I feel like at this point, if someone told me that a loved one who I thought was dead, was actually alive, and it turns out not, I would immediately kill them if I were a lion.
1: I agree. That, that, yeah. that was pretty messed up for, for Rafiki. Rafiki Rafiki's one problem in this whole movie is that he could have been like, he lives within you, but I'll show you how you can connect with him. Not, yes. your father's still alive, come with me. And then you see yeah. your father's still dead. I mean, that's uh, ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no. Nah. So luckily for Rafiki, because I feel like that was the direction they were going in, M- Mufasa actually appears to Simba in the sky from the stars, that he's a great king of the past, looking down on them. Rafiki then explains his philosophy that uh, one should learn from the past and not run from it. So again, so very he, much he's that.
1: He's complete anti-Akuta Matata.
0: Yes, he is absolutely. He he that really is the philosophy of the movie. Yeah, which is overshadowed because it's not a catchy song.
1: I think the, I think I think the ho- the whole point of this movie is to not listen to lazy people. Yeah.
0: yeah absolutely. That's so, that's that's one big thing to take away from Timon and
1: Pumbaa right now they're on the negative list for me as we talk about this.
0: Yeah. They they're being they're moving right down the rankings. <laughs> so Simba returns to Pride Rock. And was joined by Nala, Timon, and Pumbaa, who, you know, good for them. This is, this is Timon and Pumbaa's moment. Yep. They could have sat out, but they helped Simba because they, I guess, in the end, they were true friends.
1: Apparently, Simba thinks that they can outrun some, you know, ten hyenas. But, okay, we'll move on from that.
0: Yeah. So, they, yeah, they, they used Timon and Pumbaa to distract the hyenas. I mean, luckily for them, I guess they, Scar is holding court, I guess. And calls out this this is probably where you mentioned you you mentioned before you remember the name Sarabi being used Scar just like yells the name Sarabi Mm. and that's Sarabi so that's probably where you remember that from Simba confronts Scar and initially everyone sort of mistakes Simba for Mufasa which you know Scar is like in a panic as a result of his his phobia of his brother when it is revealed that it is Simba, Scar tells the Pride that Simba is responsible for Mufasa's death. And Simba, in a panic, backs up and s- slides off the cliff and is hanging on with his claws in a very similar way to his father did before his death. Now, Scar makes his biggest uh, mistake here, where he could have just immediately killed Simba, but he, for some reason, reveals to Simba that he killed Mufasa. And okay, fine. Maybe, yeah, That that's how he gets his jollies, is like flaunting his crimes in somebody's face. He's got to tell someone, I guess. But then Simba sort of jumps up and forces Scar to tell everyone. Right. Which I feel like is a huge tactical error.
1: Yeah, it, he, he Scar makes a lot of errors here.
0: Yeah, this is a, it's a mess.
1: And then with the hyenas too.
0: Yeah, sort of a big battle breaks out uh, with you know, sort of the lionesses and Simba and Timon and Pumbaa fighting Scar and the hyenas. Lightning strikes the dry grass, which goes up in flames. Pumbaa makes a reference to In the Heat of the Night, which is just a reference that I'm sure all the kids got in 94. I know <laughs> I know, I definitely, maybe I was one of the few that did not recognize that, uh, that quote from a decades-old
1: movie. He does a taxi driver joke, too. He's yes. Like a, yeah, and if, I, I didn't even realize that until this time I watched it. I yeah. 33 years old.
0: <laughs> De Niro would have made a great Simba instead of Matthew Broderick, <laughs> oh, I feel like. So Simba is, is you know, sort of one of them on Scar. The hyenas over here. Scar blame the entire scheme on them. Simba tells Scar to step down, then says he's banishing Scar from the Pride Lands. But Scar then throws cinders into Simba's face and they fight. Simba wins and sort of throws Scar down to like a lower level of Pride Rock. And Scar is uh, proceeded to be ripped apart alive by the hyenas. Tough death for, for our guy, Scar.
1: And another mistake he makes is blaming the hyenas for everything and they overhear him. He's losing his smartness towards the end of this movie. And actually, you know, it's funny you keep saying the Pride Lands. That's another George R. R. Martin. Maybe, I mean, he uses a Storm Lands... Maybe he got that idea as well from that,
0: the pride lands. Maybe, maybe he did. George R. R. Martin, big Lion King fan. George, (laughs) George, I know you're looking for a, uh, a reason to take a break from, from writing. Come on the podcast.
1: Yes. Come on, come on down.
0: (laughs) Yep. So after Scar's death, (laughs) I I assume, I mean, the, the music is swelling at this point, but I'm, I'm, I assume Scar is like screaming in pain. Uh, while this happens Simba goes up and just roars in victory and uh, the rain starts and puts the fire out which is impeccable timing yeah sometime later we see Rafiki raising Simba's child in a very similar ceremony to the beginning of the movie and then we are out yep so, Derek, that's The Lion King. Did we miss anything, or is there anything else we wanted to talk about as far as The Lion King before we moved on?
1: I think we got most of the, 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 the big points. We, we got through it. You know, but that's pretty much everything. If we missed anything, it probably wasn't that relevant.
0: After uh, after last week, I was happy to see the runtime of this movie be under an hour and a half. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. I think we got everything. Yeah. So, Derek and listeners, every week, as you know, we like to go over our favorite thing and least favorite thing about the movie. Now this could be a character, a plot point, an element of the film could be anything. So Derek, let's start in the positive. What is your favorite thing about this
1: movie? Um, honestly, I got to go with the music. Um, the music really makes it. I mean, I- I'm looking at the list of songs here and there's five. There's five songs in this movie, and it just seems like a really low number for songs, but each one really counts. Each one's really good. Circle of Life, Can't Wait to Be King, Be Prepared, Hakuna Matata, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? They're all they're all up there. There's not there's no weak points in, in musically in this movie, and that's I think the there are other great things about this movie, but I mean when you have a perfect score, you really can't talk about anything else.
0: I you know, I have the music as well. Not not only the songs, but the score. Yeah. Sure. Uh, just I mean the I was I've been humming the last couple of days the sort of like chanting when Simba's running across the uh, the wasteland to get back to to Pride Rock which I won't embarrass myself by trying to uh, replicate for you on the uh, on the air here there's it's just a home run every time. Mm-hmm. Moving on, what is your least favorite thing about the movie?
1: Okay, so th- now this was easy. This is very easy for me. Yep. I've already mentioned it. Simba becomes a teenager slash adult. He learns to eat bugs, um, which is the opposite of what a lion should do, aka hunt. Yep. Um, he's lazy. He doesn't know how to fight. He doesn't know how to hunt. Like he, and then all of a sudden, he's back to his home, and then he wins, miracle. You know, a miraculous win, and it's like, oh, uh, maybe you should have given him some sort of a. Um, yeah, he's got his father's DNA or whatever, right? His blood and sure. Stuff, but this movie, yeah, and, so. and 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 I
0: joke about. You know, oh, bad luck for scar that there was a yeah, there's a drought where he took over what the movie's trying to say is that like Simba being the rightful king, things will be better just naturally. Right. It's a very pro like d- divine right of kings kind of movie it's 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 kind of interesting like the mm-hmm. like the earth itself rebels against a false king, right hmm, a false
1: king, <laughs> hmm being a lion. That's I wonder, you know, you know what? I, I think that you and I are coming across something here. I, yeah. I, I'm starting to think that George R. R. Martin is like a huge Lanking fan.
0: I bet he is. I bet he is. George hit us up. Social media. <laughs> I, I go over he, it later.
1: when he talks to D&D the first time when he has that lunch with them to do the show, he should have asked, where did I get most of my inspiration from? Yep. That should have been the question, yep. not who Jon Snow's mother was.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, uh, I went in a different direction, uh, my least favorite thing. And this, to be fair, was uh, rectified you know, in, the, in the remake. So let's talk about the casting. This movie takes place in Africa. Our main character as a child is played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas Mm -hmm. of uh, home improvement fame, and then Matthew Broderick, possibly the two whitest human beings (laughs) to have ever existed on planet Earth. Yes. And then, you know, Scar, Jeremy Irons, a very white man in his own right. Timon and Pumbaa, also both played by Caucasians. You know, I mean, Mufasa and Sarabi, played by. You know, two black actors, which is great. Kind of, kind of pale on the cast
1: list. Here. Yes, agreed. And again,
0: you know, uh, was rectified. We got in the in the remake. We did get Michael B. Jordan and Beyonce, and just kind of weird for a movie taking place in Africa.
1: Right, just agreed. A,
0: just a thought. Maybe could have looked for, yeah, uh, you know, look for a different different way to go there. Yeah. Another thing we like to do every week is we like to reward those who really benefited or contributed most to the movie in the form of a bronze silver and gold medal and this could not this could be person an actor a director anything having to do with the movie Derek who or what did you have for your bronze medal winner
1: all right, so before bronze, I will give a special shout out to one person who didn't make the three, but okay, um, and I will give that to Elton John, um, okay, because I think that just 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 for I'm I'm not the I don't I'm not the most all-knowing Elton John fan. I am a big fan, sure, um, but I think at this point he was probably in a little bit of a drought as far as hits go. I mean, sure, most of his hits were in the '70s, maybe a couple in the '80s. This probably brought him back to stardom. Um, and I just give him props for that. Cause that, that's really cool and good for him. And it's a great song circle of life. Um, but anyways, my bronze medal goes to James Earl Jones. Um, love his voice. He just has the classic voice. That, that's it. That's it. He's got a classic voice. You just can't, We can't. GA asked me, she goes, when you think of the Lion King, she said, what actors do you think of? The first one I thought of was James Earl Jones.
0: Yeah, I I can't argue with that. James Earl Jones did not make my list, but he's very worthy. My bronze medal went to William Shakespeare because (laughs) I would say the Lion King introduced Shakespeare to more kids in our age range than any other entity.
1: But my question is, though, did they know it was Shakespeare? Because they're not giving him props.
0: I think, honestly... By the time we got to, to high school and someone mentioned Hamlet, there's a teacher that said, Hamlet, you know, like the Lion King. And I was like, it all clicked into place.
1: Did Scar did, – now, did Scar – did he marry Sarabi? Because, like – I what, don't know that, if it's – That's what okay. lions do, right? That, that's a thing. We looked it up. Lions do do that. So
0: usually in a pride of lions, there's, like – there's only one – there's only one male. There's like one alpha male. I, I don't. Mm. I don't know what the what the term is used in nature, but I I believe, and I could be making this up, but I believe I read somewhere that there was a a scene in which Scar attempted to talk Sarabi into marrying him, but the uh, it was cut out because I think it was just would have been too disturbing for right, kids. Right. Right. But I will say I will say Shakespeare. Shakespeare gets the bronze. There you go. Who is your number two, Derek?
1: Uh I'm giving it to Rowan Atkinson, who plays Zasu. Okay. Um I, I, I knew Rowan Atkinson from Mr. Bean. I knew him from Rat Race. Um looking back and remembering that really quirky, quirky voiceover for Zasu. Holy crap, it's Rowan Atkinson. He's yep. a very versatile actor now to me. He can sing as well. Um, it just really excited me. I've always loved that about this movie, was that he played that part and he gets my silver.
0: My silver is uh, a little bit different, went a little bit of a different direction. Didn't get go to a person, but I gave it to the Walt Disney Company, and I'll tell you why. Because Disney did not expect this to be a big hit. They are in the the absolute dead middle of their Renaissance period at this point. You know, which uh, if you remember, yeah, if you look at the early to mid '80s, not a lot of great Disney films coming out at that point. Really just like a – they call a dark age of Disney. Starting in 89 with The Little Mermaid and going forward with Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, what's known as the Disney Renaissance. And this, I would argue, is the absolute peak of it. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is this was really like the Disney B-Squad that made that movie. The movie they were expecting to be the huge hit was Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. So they put all what they thought were their best writers and their your best animators and everything on Pocahontas, which was a big enough hit in itself, but nowhere near the Lion King level. Right. So they I I feel like this is you know a, a someone really trying to foul off a pitch, but it just happens to hit the foul pole and they hit a home run. Yep. And you know, they just they just really lucked out with what ended up being you know an all-time classic. Never mind. I would I would argue that they kind of without this movie, the Disney theme park Animal Kingdom probably doesn't exist. Because if you've ever been there, a lot of Lion King stuff there.
1: Yeah. From the sure. music
0: to like shows and characters and stuff like that. And this company absolutely rakes in the money on their theme parks. Never mind the fact that they remade it last year and made a ridiculous amount of money on that too. So they really uh Really stretch that out, so I'm going to give the silver to them. Excellent. What uh, what do you have for your uh, your silver, Derek?
1: All right, I went. For, I mean, I went with all three people in this one. We, and, oh, I'm uh,
0: sorry, we already, you already did your silver.
1: Yep. What so is my, your gold? My gold. Yeah, i went with all three people in this one, so my gold goes to Jeremy Irons, Escar. Um, um, he is just tremendous. He just, I love the laziness of his voice and the manipulative, the manipulative voice. He's got, uh, everything about his, the way he portrayed the villain was great. It reminds me of Jafar a little bit, and I love Jafar and Aladdin, but yep. I love Jeremy Irons in this. Yeah,
0: no, he, he's great. Very deserving gold medal. I went with a person for this as well. It's somebody we've mentioned, but it's not going to medal. I gave my gold to Elton John. Mm and I'll tell you it's because for two big reasons. Number one, as a 6-year-old child when this came out, I had never heard of Elton John. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him from, you know, from a, a hole in the ground. But, yeah, you know, when the fact that his name is plastered all over the credits and you know, I had the soundtrack when I was young I was introduced to him and I feel like that's a lot of people my age their first memories of of, of him are are The Lion King. And not only that, he gets credit for writing the songs on the Broadway musical, The Lion King. Mm. So he parlays this, which is, you know, enough to borderline metal, you know, an honorable mention for yourself and gets a whole Broadway career out of it. Cause he's, he's done some other plays as well. Uh, so Elton John, congratulations. You are my gold medal winner, Jeremy Irons. Congratulations. You are Derek's gold medal winner. A Great day for the country of England, which I believe they're both English. If they're not, sorry. All right. So there goes the medal. So another weekly question that we ask. Not every movie can be the greatest movie of all time, Derek. We we know this. (laughs) We know this. Only one can be. And we'll figure out what it is. But I would argue that if you look close enough, every movie has at least one thing that it does better than every other movie. So Derek, I ask you, what does The Lion King do better than any other movie?
1: Perfect music. Um, it's it, it just, it, the music's amazing. It's an A+. Plus. Um, every song is catchy. We've already discussed this, but even the sequences when the, the lion, the little lion comes being held to the sun and the music peaks as well. It's just, every, the whole package with the music is just it does better than anything else um that's that's what i that's what I got absolutely. I
0: have got three three things that I could come up with. this movie does better than anything else. Number one, I believe that this is the best Disney movie of the nineteen nineties, which as we went over, a very big decade for disney mm-hmm. is Is there anything else I mean, could you make a case for Beauty and the Beast Sure or, or Aladdin, yeah. what, what would you go with? Would you say, which would you say?
1: I don't know. Cause I have to, we have to rewatch. I think once we yeah. rewatch those two and do them, I think we can discuss it. But I would say that those three right there, you could definitely have a good conversation about. It's a, it's yeah. almost like the, uh, the Johnny Depp, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Um, I mean, there's a right answer to that. No, one. But well, we'll, we'll go to that.
1: one. <laughs> well, as far as fame, you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. it's a good comparison of like, I think there's an argument with all three, honestly. Yeah. So they're all great movies and stuff. And, uh, but Like you yep.
0: said, I agree. With that, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Lion King is the best Disney movie in the 90s. I'm gonna say also, this movie has the best Disney father. Okay. Who I mean, I'm trying. I'm going through, and like I said, I'm a big Disney fan. I I can't think of a better father in a uh, in a Disney
1: movie. Geppetto. I mean, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Bell's father is a pretty, pretty intelligent guy. He's a he, you know, invent stuff, and he's quirky. He's fun. He's maybe, maybe a little bit more uh, solutions based than just the, uh, you know, Mufasa, who's just nope. This is how it is, and this is the life, and da da da. da and then gets betrayed by his brother. Should maybe should have seen it coming. Well,
0: also, I'm just playing devil's advocate feel, here. I feel like Mufasa would not have left his child in the uh, the, the prison of a beast.
1: I mean, that's probably true.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nor would he have gone to Gaston and be like, "Hey, I need some help with this beast situation." <laughs> he would have handled himself.
1: All right. Good points. Good points. All right.
0: Yeah. Maybe Mr. Incredible. He's not a great father, though. I've
1: Is never that- seen that movie, so. I oh, I, that's I a few. Fu-
0: that's definitely a future episode. Yeah. Both of them. Both incredible movies are future episodes. Uh, and also, I'm going to say this movie with, you know, apologies. To tim allen this is easily the best role of jonathan taylor thomas's career yeah so sorry sorry home improvement sorry tom and huck don't quite measure up to the role of simba for jtt and also before we uh before we wrap up here one more thing or a couple more things that we like to do we like to go over the oscars for that year you know movies in 1994 uh yeah, the ceremony took place in ninety-five. Same Oscars we talked about last time. So this movie wins, Lanking wins for best score. Can't argue with that too much. Right. Uh, and it wins for best song. Derek, do you know what song it won for? I'm gonna make it, take a guess and say okay. Circle of Life. No. Uh can you feel the love tonight one?
1: Okay. Now was that was that Elton too?
0: Yes, Elton John is credited on every song in this movie. Elton John and Tim Rice are are So, you was
1: you're saying me right now, Elton John wrote Akuta Matata? He's
0: credited as writing Akuta, yes. The other nominees. So, he wins for they win for uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Circle of Life and Hakuna Matata are both nominated. The other nominees are Look What Love Has Done from Junior. That's, I mean, which if you don't know, that is the, that is the movie in which Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes pregnant. So Oscar nominated that movie, weirdly. And uh, Make Up Your Mind from the paper, which is uh, written by future Disney stalwart Randy Newman. So Derek, I think we can say that one of the Lion King songs should have won. I think we can we can say that, right? Yeah. Do you think "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" is the right one?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'd say that. I, th- I think it's good enough to, to win. Yeah.
0: Um, I won't argue I mean, with it too much. I would say "Circle of Life." Circle
1: of Life's my choice. I think uh, that's the the first one I thought would be the one, but uh, I'd say they're they're neck and neck. Maybe maybe. Uh, I don't know. Can you feel love tonight? It's more. It's more sappy. Maybe that's why they were going. I
0: can see. I can see why it won. I'd probably go with Circle of
1: Life. Yeah, I think so too.
0: If you would ask six-year-old Rick, I would have said, "I just can't wait to be king." But like we said, you can't. Honestly, the it the five songs just should have been the five nominees right. uh, for that. I just have it find out. Sure. So, uh, I I was looking, and really, there's there's two categories where I think we should talk about where it was not nominated. And number one is Best Picture.
1: That's surprising.
0: It's surprising. So like we said before, the big three here, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, also nominated Four Weddings and a Funeral, and Quiz Show.
1: Yeah, I have never seen the last two, so I definitely bump one of those off for Lion King, just just on principle. I think, yeah, I
0: think we have to. But which one? I'm going to say Four Weddings and a Funeral has to go. Sorry, Hugh Grant. Apologies, Andy McDowell. Yeah, definitely. So long, Kristen Scott Thomas, and uh, believe it or not, Rowan Atkinson in supporting role. So he gets to keep his movie—a movie with him in it. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I think Lion King has had sort of staying power in society, yeah. and the others really, really haven't, or those other two at least haven't. So I think we had a, to you know sort of insert that in there there's been so this is before best animated feature existed. Mm-hmm. you know, that that didn't come about till i think 2001. and really i i think the only animated feature to be nominated for for the best picture was beauty and the beast a couple couple of years before. and that uh the conservative part of the the academy was not happy about that at all. Right. um so that's they eventually came to the uh, best animated feature uh, Oscar. The other category that I wanted to talk about is actually one that we didn't talk about last week, and I think you could make a case that James Earl Jones should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor.
1: It depends who was in that category.
0: Let's go over the let's go over the nominees. The winner, Martin Landau, playing Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood. Okay. Other nominees: Samuel L. Jackson for *Pulp Fiction*, Chaz Palminteri for *Bullets Over Broadway*, Paul Schofield or Schofield uh, for *Quiz Show*, and Gary Sinise as Lieutenant Dan and *Forrest Gump*.
1: Uh, well, my, my my question always is: is how much work and how much effort does an actor and actress put into a movie? Sometimes you just get like the Alan Arkin of 2006, I think it was, or whatever year it was when when that movie came out. Little Miss
0: Sunshine. Yeah, Yeah, like,
1: like was he great in it? Absolutely. Should he have beaten out Eddie Murphy and Dream Girl? Probably not. Um, But Alan Arkin, you know, he didn't put much effort in. He was himself in the movie and it was hilarious. How much did James Earl Jones do in this movie? He was the James Earl Jones with the voice and give me me my script and I'll read the lines and I'll make them sound good. And that's my question. Should he have been nominated? Uh, Maybe not, um, depending on how much work he put in.
0: I'm not ready to answer this question yet, but I think it's a, a conversation worth having. I'm going to put it out in our social media. You know, the, the listeners can can get in touch with us. You know, on Facebook, we are the greatest movie of all time podcast. On Twitter, we are at greatmoviecast. Or you could email us at greatestmoviepod at, uh, at gmail.com. So let us know what, I mean, do we think, number one, do we think voice actors, belong in that category this may be a you know this might be a more more in-depth conversation once we get to things like lord of the rings and right. we talk about gollum um but do we a think the voice actors belong in the acting categories with live action actors or do we think they don't and if they do do we put in james earl Jones best supporting actor this year
1: Hell, should there be a separate category for it i don't know who knows
0: that's 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 something else as well. Let's uh, we'll put it out to our uh, our listeners here or you know, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Don't uh, don't hesitate to get in touch. We'll be happy to have your opinion read on the air. So uh, looking forward to hear from you guys on that. Now, Derek, one last thing before we go. The most important part of the podcast. And you know what that is. It's when you get 30 seconds to convince me. And to convince our listeners that The Lion King is the greatest movie of all time, I'm going to count you down. Three, two,
1: one, go. And I just can't wait to be king. Be prepared. Akuna matata, Akuna matata. Can you feel the love tonight? That's it, right there. That that's the reasons why you should watch that movie, right there. Don't even it doesn't even matter about anything else, but Shakespeare too. Seconds.
0: Well, you you did it with uh, with point one seven seconds remaining. You've. Uh, you, know, you may have convinced some people by uh, by singing a single line from uh, from every song in the movie I maybe not yeah maybe not no you got you got all you got all five I think
1: <laughs> and Shakespeare
0: and Shakespeare <laughs> and also Shakespeare you've convinced me yep so yeah you know, I, I don't know if that necessarily does it for me but yeah we can uh, we, we can see if it does the same for, for our listeners here again let us know in social media uh, so that is gonna wrap it up For The Lion King. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you enjoyed the movie. Next week, we're going in a different direction. We're getting out of the 1990s and we are going to talk about a, honestly, a, a movie where a lot of people do think it is the greatest movie of all time. And that is the Humphrey Bogart starring classic Casablanca. And you can find it, uh, if you want to watch along, you can find it on, uh, on HBO Now, uh, or HBO Max, excuse me. It's a 1942 romance war film, according to Google, uh, which I guess is a it's good a way of any to, uh, to, to describe it, about a man who owns a bar and the girl who walks in. Derek, have you, uh, have you seen Casablanca?
1: I have years ago. I definitely need a refresh, so it'll be good to watch this again.
0: uh, It may be a little different because I I don't know that we'll have seen many of the other Oscar uh, contenders for that year. So that that segment might change a little bit, but I think it's going to be a really good time. Derek, anything else you have to say to to
1: our listeners this week? Um, Just, uh, you know, get into conversation with us. Um, I promise that um, I will be more engaging as well this week um I'll start some posts jump on talk to us cuz I really want to know especially about the James Joe Jones being nominated for an award. Uh, I'd like to hear people think about that for sure. So look out for my post about that and we can have a good discussion.
0: All right. Uh well, that's going to do it for us this week. I have been your co-host Rick Barrasso. and I
1: have been your co-host Derek Smith.
0: Keep watching everybody.